SMQBs. This is episode 45. We are covering the NFL week 15, all sorts of crazy stuff happening. We get into our takeaways, our locks. We talk a little Urban Meyer. We have a really nice story about prime time, Deion Sanders and what he's getting done. And of course, of course, punchable face of the week and a Ted Lasso. Check it out. Enjoy the show and leave us five stars. Thanks. SMQBs, this is episode 45. It's, everyone thinks this is an easy one for them. Uh, let's see. 17 years playing professionally. He was nine times to the All-Star game. Won a gold glove. A Cy Young Award in the National League. It won is Patreon. two World Series championships. Vote for Pedro. Pitched a no-hitter in 1971. Bob oh, Gibson. Gosh. Clearly not Pedro. Not Pedro. Not Pedro. It has to be Bruce, Bob Gibson. Bob Gibson. Episode SMQB's episode Bob Gibson number 45. Standing on, in against really Bob sorry. Gibson is like trying to tackle Derrick Henry. I think the, the Bob guy Gibson, was an animal. I think he might have had like an ERA of 0.68 or something one season. Like something crazy like that. Yeah. That's he a was, good, that's he a was he struck fear into the heart of many batters. 17 years. I mean in in the majors too. That's I mean that's pretty for one team. For one team. And those and those guys weren't pitching, you know, five innings and coming out. So uh, look, House. I I, I want to congratulate you on defeating the football team this week. Um, I mean, the game's <laughs> tomorrow night, but this is pretty straightforward for you. I don't I don't see how how the Eagles can't win this one. Um, I mean, the I'll give it to you. The football team is in COVID protocol, and Kyle Allen's our quarterback. And uh, oh yeah, but as guys come off of it. Uh, others go into it, like Brandon Scherf, our all-pro uh, guard. So, um, congrats. It should be easy. Not even Gardner Minshew or Jalen Hurts can fuck this up. Um, we would have won on Sunday, and I'll have you guys look up a guy named Joe Webb. Joe Webb was the Gilbert Godfried or whatever the quarterback is going to be for Washington that we had to face against the Jets a couple last year, whatever it was during covid some stand-in. We love to get beat by stand-in quarterbacks. The last one was Joe Webb. This year, it'll be Gilbert Gottfried. I'm so pissed off about that, but you're going to hear a lot about that today. A lot. Hey, hey, House Bison sounds like somebody who's like back into the football team, doesn't he? I know. No, I know. I'm just saying we're done. This is just one that can't be avoided. I mean, it's just there's no hope. It's, it's He's trying to jinx I mean, you. He's trying to jinx the Eagles. I Jedi hope our listeners. I hope our listeners will look at our Facebook because he not only is he wearing all burgundy and gold from head to toe, he's even got a COVID uh, like disease thing behind him in burgundy and gold. He's he's all in on football. Except his well, COVID. shirt says "fed up." 
that up. But COVID is, you know, burgundy and gold because Dan Snyder, the root of all evil, started with the virus. <laughs> right. That's right. I'm sure of it. So, I mean, listen, it's it's a little hard to talk uh, NFL this week without talking um, about COVID. So I'm sure we'll get there. But House, do you want to give us a recap or, or anything you want to say about the about the week that was or is I mean, still going on? You nailed it, Bison. We This is Monday afternoon and eight of 32 teams haven't played yet because Roger Goodell decided that he was going to play God with the league, with the fans, with money and everything else, which I'm sure we'll get to. But in the 24 teams that did play, there were some pretty fascinating developments. Um, the Miami Dolphins, we'll just start there. We, we used to laugh and make fun and bet against the Miami Dolphins who started at one and seven. The Miami Dolphins are seven and seven. Two They've won mania. six in a row, two of stinks. Duke Johnson was a good fill-in, but it'll be interesting to see how Miami finishes up against New Orleans, Tennessee, and New England. Will the real team stand up? Another team that's hot, five out of six, San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. Shout out to our Sanguinetti listeners. Joey Bosa, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and even Jimmy G do not sleep on the 49ers right now. They are grooving, and teams that groove as they get closer to the playoffs, uh, look out for them. Uh, I know a birthday how- win for uh, Matt Sanguinetti. So big birthday on win. his birthday for him. Yeah. I know how much Rooster loves Big Ben Roethlisberger, and <laughs> so he wants to congratulate Big Ben on reaching fifth in all-time passing as the Steelers beat the Titans. 19 to 13. Now you can retire, Ben. Go away. Uh, Jags, Jags, new coach, same result. Uh, pummeled by the Texans, 30 to 16. But I think we need to get to some of the highlight games from this week um, and some critical coaching decisions that change the outcome of the games. People will say all they want about Patrick Mahomes having a great, uh, fourth quarter in overtime and the incredible turn the clock back of Travis Kelsey and his speed. But Braden Staley went for it two times on fourth down instead of taking a field goal that could have changed the direction of that game. Both times they were stopped. And as a result, the Chargers went into overtime and lost to the Chiefs. That decision, coupled with the decision the second time in a row by Harbaugh. For the Ravens, again, going for the win um, at home, which is another question mark. Why at home? Um, Down 31-30, just had completed an incredible comeback with a backup quarterback. Down 31-17, comes back to 31-30, goes for it for the second week in a row to Mark Andrews, which I think everybody in the stadium watching on television, everybody knew that's where the ball is going, incomplete. but I guess the two upsets are what we really have to talk about this week because the Cardinals, who we were ready to crown as NFL or at least NFC champions, have now lost four of seven. They got, frankly, destroyed by the Detroit Lions, who only got their second win this season. Really shocking outcome. Hard to know what is up with Kyler Murray and that team. DeAndre Hopkins can't equal that much to that team. But I want to talk about, in Milk's absence, 
I can go as hard as I want at the pathetic Buccaneers who lost (laughs) (laughs) nine to nothing at home. And Milk, as you throw your tablet at this podcast and say, (laughs) oh, we we didn't have Mike Evans. We didn't have Leonard Fournette. We didn't have Chris Godwin. Well, you had them in the first quarter when you sucked. And let me tell you, the Saints didn't have Michael Thomas. They barely had Mark Ingram. They didn't have their coach, Sean Payton. They didn't have Jameis Winston. And they were playing away. That is an embarrassing loss. No team who has led the league in offense has ever been shut out in December. Tom Brady, we can say all the great things about him for his whole career. The last few games, he's looked shaky. The Saints own him. I think it's six or seven in a row now by the Saints. And that was the week that was and still is ongoing of week 15. I think you missed a couple of upsets, House. <clears throat> yeah, there, about, there were a couple more in there. I mean, the Titans were, you know, trying to vie for the number one seed in the AFC and lost to the Steelers, uh, which is inexcusable at this time of the year. Um, and, you know, I think the Patriots-Colts, I think even though the Colts were were favored. I still think that's a little bit of an upset, considering the Pats had the number one buy, number one seed in the buy in the AFC going into that game. Well, I think what, how many yards did Carson throw for in that game? Fifty something. Fifty eight. Fifty eight, maybe. Well, Jonathan I mean, Taylor. Ran that running game is unbelievable against a stout defense too. Jonathan Taylor. It seemed like anybody wants to go out and just and take the take the lead. You know, be the team. They're, who's the team right now? Who is it? I mean, I, nope, Kansas nobody. City is Kansas City and Green Bay, but I mean, you know, Green Bay wins that game because for the reasons we talked about already, you mentioned uh, stupid ass play call on on the uh, after the touchdown, right? So who is the team that that's going to just say, uh, you know, we're it, we're the we're the best? Come take it from us. It doesn't seem like there's anybody out there. Well, I mean, Kansas City's won seven in a row. Right. Green Bay. Green Bay keeps winning, too. Green Bay keeps winning. They do, but, you know, they could have lost that game pretty easily last night. I think Kansas City's defense, Kansas City's defense is one of the biggest surprises right now. I don't think anybody saw Kansas City's defense being probably better than their offensive unit right now. Um, And if Mahomes and those guys get it going, uh, which is kind of the same threat as in Dallas now. Nobody saw Dallas's defense dominating. I mean, they're playing championship-level defense, but their offense is struggling. Um, you know, I think Kansas City is probably, if you if you want to know who's taking it, I, that's who I'm saying right now. They're, they're the ones that are pushing hard th- right now. I also think the Rams may be back. Um, they may, who knows, they may sneak up on the Cardinals. The Cardinals have, an, you know, annually fade at this time of the year and they're doing it again. Um, that, but the, guys, and the Rams it, look tough. Isn't it the truth that despite all these teams that look tough, whatever, isn't it really, haven't we reached the hunger games part of the NFL at this point with COVID people? I mean, who knows who the Rams are going to field one, one week, who knows who the Packers or the Colts? I mean, it's a mystery to me right now who is going to show up and play for these teams because of COVID. And that can change home field advantage. It can change wins versus losses. This is going to be a crazy end of the season. Crazy, that's, crazy. That's, end. you know, that's the interesting thing is that COVID is going to affect like 
the seedings and who gets into the playoffs probably, but it's not like an injury that is going to decimate a team going forward. Like the bucks have, have experienced at this point, right? Because most of these guys are going to come back. They're going to be out a week. They're going to come back and be able to play. Uh, At least that's how it looks right now. That's what all the, all the science and everything seems to suggest about this uh, Omicron variant. Um, So that, that people don't get super sick from it, particularly if you're vaccinated, uh, triple vaxxed, which who knows, who knows uh, what people are telling us after the Aaron Rodgers fiasco, but you know, I, I, so I think you could have a team lose an important game and not get it into the playoffs or the seedings get all screwed up. But to your point, Toby, a little bit about hunger games, the injuries that are happening right now might be more significant. I mean, the bucks might've had their, their chances of repeating wiped out yesterday uh, with injuries. That, that might be the end of that team, uh, in their hopes of going back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Chris Godwin's now out for the season with the ACL. But, you know, we're going to talk about this some more today when we get into COVID and sports and some other discussion. But, you know, Roger Goodell, he's a crafty MFer, And he he got his little insurance policy to make sure, to your point, Bison, that these teams are playing in the playoffs. I, I hope you guys saw that now the protocol in the NFL is – the only players that have to test weekly are those that are unvaccinated and symptomatic. The vaccinated players don't even have to test. So, uh, you know, well, let's, and, let's save that. Let's okay. save that discussion. Cause I think that's, uh, that's, that's for a bigger topic that we want to come yeah. back to. Yeah. And maybe, yeah. maybe this is as good a spot as any to go into our takeaways from what, what is it? Week. I can't remember week 15, week 15. I have one 15. from our from our COVID correspondent, uh, Patrick Meichler. Uh, I can't reveal under HIPAA whether or not he's out for COVID, but he's not able to make today's uh, pod. We miss him. And he has some, he has some, he has a whole bunch to say. First, he says that he would like credit and acknowledgement on the Chiefs because it was Patrick Meichler that said that the Chiefs may win the Super Bowl. That's really going on the wow. ledge right there. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. Really? Wow. Really big balls, big balls on that guy. Milk would also like a comment or more of a request that Pope please not include Tampa in any more prognostications for the rest of the year. <laughs> 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 but his real his real takeaway is, um, is it time to take a look at Trevor Lawrence? Is he not as great as everyone expected or did Urban Meyer perhaps destroy him? Or is it just the product of being on a shitty team all around? He's in week 15 and can't throw a touchdown against the hapless Texans. And that is a week after throwing four picks in one game. He seems to be getting worse, not better. But again, maybe it's just the environment. Discuss amongst yourselves. (laughs) So (laughs) I think Milk is right. I think Milk is right about Trevor Lawrence. Could be another. Having seen him live uh, two weekends ago. He like 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 I say he just uh, he just thinks that he's got the talent to make throws that he shouldn't be making, and he's not maturing enough. I guess he's not being coached well enough to to not do that. So he's throwing a lot of ball. He threw through four interceptions against the Titans, 
and he, yeah, but his whole team seems to have quit too. So it's, I wouldn't judge him too harshly yet. I'd give him another year. Didn't Peyton throw 21 picks in his rookie season? Didn't he have the, doesn't he have the record for most picks in a season? I think you're right. He probably threw more touchdowns though. I don't know that he did. And, and that's, you know, so if, if he's out there throwing balls that he has no business throwing, you know, maybe he learns that this year. I don't know. It just, I, th- I think just, Troy Aikman had a rough year first year as well. Oh yeah. They went one in 15 the first year with, yeah. with Troy. Right. But yeah. I mean, it just goes to show you what a crap shoot it is drafting these guys. Anybody can tell who tells you they know how to draft an NFL quarterback and who's going to be great and who's going to be a bust is just totally full of shit. Nobody knows. There's there's something we can't figure out about how their brains work or, you know, everybody tests the physical ability up and down. I mean, they, they test everything on these guys physically. It's something about their ability to read and learn that makes a difference. And nobody has come up with a way to figure that out. You're right. Yep. Yep. Who else? Who wants to go next? Well, my my takeaway is this was the week that parody struck back, and we've already talked about it. But I mean, you had four pretty much teams that were heading to uh, clinch divisions or going potentially to get a bye that uh, that got upset. Um, and no, I'm not going to do a deep dive, but it does kind of upset the uh, the way that you look at the uh, playoffs right now because Kansas City that was the four seed until last week. Now they're the they're the Number one seed, it looks like they're probably going to get the bye. Uh, and it looks like Green Bay, um, and their schedule is very favorable, uh, is going to get the bye because the Cardinals have backed up. Um, and now, you know, you've got potentially some really interesting uh, wild card uh, in the in the AFC. You've got four teams at eight and six, and assuming the Browns beat the Raiders tonight, you'll have five teams at eight and six. Uh, so, you know, three two of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs. Um and you know the NFC West, we I declared it over. I said all the division races are over in the NFC, and then the Cards go out and do what they did, and the Rams are now only potentially one game back if they beat the Seahawks tonight. Uh, and I potentially, you know, maybe give the Rams the edge. So uh, I thought last week we thought some things were going to be pretty clear going forward, and it uh, typical NFL this year is clear as mud now in a lot of these races. So that's my t- and. Let me talk about the Cowboys because I, I did a, a quick look into their offensive struggles. Uh, it, it helps to listen to ESPN during the day, though, because I don't know who said it, but 75 drives, out of the last 75 drives, the Cowboys have scored 15 touchdowns. That's 27th in the NFL, and that's not going to cut it. So Dak, uh, the running game is struggling. Uh, Zeke is you know clearly not himself. At least Pollard was back. Um, I do think they're going to beat the, you know, Washington football team on Sunday night. Um, and then, you know, the cards come to town, but, uh, right now the Cowboys are the num- number two seed and I'm not sure they're a very strong number two. Well, my take goes out to our faithful listener, Nick Verderami. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you guys that the Cardinals are exactly who I always said they were. Um, they're, they fade late in the year, and here they go. I don't know who in the world thought they were going to go very far, but it certainly wasn't me. Oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
You you were captain the of the card. You were captain of the card. <laughs> yeah. Bandwagon. Uh, Roll the tape. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Jeez. Well, uh, my my takeaway is, with dear respect for my friend Pope, I think the NFL has told us we need to stop making fucking predictions, because or at least Pope is, does. Yeah, because honestly. We have reached the point where it has never been so true about any given Sunday, or for that matter, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, or Tuesday, or whenever Roger Goodell wants to play these games. Yeah, I mean, really, guys, if you look back at these games, first of all, the Bucks lost at home to a pretty crappy Saints team. Uh, Green Bay really could have lost and should have lost that game. The Chiefs should have lost that game. And the Chargers, while they're up and coming, they're not world beaters. The Cowboys are celebrating wins against really pathetic teams. I mean, when they when they face really great teams, there are eh, no one. It's kind of to Bison's point either. No one to, earlier. No one is jumping up and saying, I've got this, which I while I think it makes for exciting playoffs for sure. I think it makes predicting this the rest of the season very, very difficult. Uh, any given week from this point forward, I'm not going to be surprised at any win or loss from any of these supposed favorites. That's my takeaway. So my takeaway is um, I'm going to call out Troy Aikman and Joe Buck for, you know, they, they sit there and, and call this game with uh, Green Bay and, and Baltimore. And the whole broadcast, they're talking about how Aaron Rodgers is their favorite guy to, to do the pregame, the, the pre-production meeting with and, and, you know, showing what a competitor he is on the field and, and how he's, you know, laughing at this with this player and yelling in good fun at this other player and, and just making Aaron Rodgers look like the, the greatest guy to ever step on the field when he's been exposed this year as a selfish prick, which a lot, we, we all see it in the off season uh, every year, the way he treats the Packers. And, and, you know, we can argue over if they've put the right players around him, you know, certainly they haven't really gone out and drafted a lot of offense, whatever, Year after year, he looks like he gets becomes more and more of a self-centered, uh, egomaniacal guy. And this year, lying about being vaccinated, which, you know, it's it's cute until you think about the players around him that he exposed, their families, uh, the management, the trainers, the staff, everybody. And, you know, I it was really off-putting to me. And that's what this weekend will, will leave with me from the NFL was these these two very prominent, uh, very tied in announcers lifting this guy up? I mean, it looked like it was intentional that they were trying to to uh, to support him and increase his popularity amongst viewers. We shouldn't forget uh, what Aaron Rodgers did because it's really it really was pretty selfish. It's not just those two either. Chris Collinsworth does it every time. Um, but that's a really good point. Can somebody tell me why this Dalvin Cook story has been swept under the rug and why he's still playing? Has there been any further reporting on that? I haven't seen anything. The last I heard was that he had filed a counterclaim. Now, I know that that's just kind of legal maneuvering, most likely, but I, you know, 
it's this has reached Deshaun Watson territory where the lawyers are throwing enough at the wall that it's hard to know what's sticking. I mean, I hear you, Rooster. I mean, the evidence is fairly compelling against Cook. The evidence is fairly compelling against Deshaun Watson. But there's a narrative the other way, and this is what the NFL does. They sweep right, but it. But so, so either the text messages that Cook's girlfriend claims were sent to her by Cook are authentic, in which case he absolutely should be uh, suspended, or they're or they're a fake. We should the fans deserve to know one way or the other. What is the NFL? Which side are they on? Where are they coming down on that? Are those fake text messages and therefore he's innocent until proven guilty or, or are they real and they're just sweeping it under the rug? We, we don't even get to hear about this. It's well, like I it never when happened. We, when, yeah. when we get to, when we get to the COVID in sports, we'll probably have a little conversation about just how powerful the players union has gotten at this point and how they can affect the game in what should otherwise be an obvious call. But here, I think there's some of that at play too. Let's uh, let's touch base on one other uh, um, scumbag of the NFL while we're, while we're working our way through them. Um, we, we can't ignore urban Myers firing uh, this week. Um I mean, I look at the situation and you have a guy who's been pretty successful everywhere he's gone in football. And then this, what in God's name was he doing? I mean, what did he, his reputation now? I mean, he is, you got to figure he's done coaching, right? He's got, I mean, college, NFL, whatever. This is, has to have been his last, his last uh, uh, effort, the way it went out. What was this guy doing to himself? It's hard to say, man. It's almost like the idea that this, the owners of the Jags wanted him so badly, just triggered whatever narcissistic problems he had and into overdrive. And then he just thought the rules don't apply to him anymore. I mean, remember the first, the first uh, person he hired was somebody who was disgraced at the college level for racist statements to, uh, towards his own players. I mean, why would you hire that guy right out of the box as a head football coach in your first year? Makes no sense. Yeah, I, I wish we had milk for this discussion because he would say none of this comes as a surprise to him after what they saw at Florida. But he seems like a carpetbagger who just goes from place to place, never leaving the baggage of his narcissism behind, like you said, Rooster. I mean, if if half of that story with kicking Josh Lambeau is true. It is one of the most bananas thing I've heard of a coach doing since like the Ohio state coach, like punched right. Woody, Hayes. Woody Hayes. Woody Hayes. I mean, yeah. Kicking your own kicker. It's crazy in the leg. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to kick the kicker, at least kick him in the face. Don't kick him in his most useful body part. Unless his last, what was the last the name of your just, kicker for a while there? Uh, blew it, blew it. Yeah, blew unless, it? You, unless yeah, your kicker's it. name is Blew it, and then you should kick. But at least you know, <laughs> at least in the past, you you know, House, you said that that you said that that Milk would say this is exactly what he does everywhere. But at least in his other uh, uh, jobs, he won, right? He might have been a narcissist, but he won, 
and he walked away as a, as a national champion or darn near close to it when he got started. Here, I mean, he just looked like a complete, completely like over his head, not interested, didn't want to be there. You know, winning winning covers up a lot of uh, a lot of personality flaws and character character flaws. Uh, but man, the way this went down, he just looks like a total jackass. Yeah. Is it is it is that it for Urban? Are we going to see him in any other coaching? Never. Maybe some Wouldn't high school. Him. Maybe some. Yeah, yeah I, I think he's. I think he's going to figure out he can make money just by being a jerk on television. Yeah, I yeah. assume he'll be yeah. back on TV soon enough. Right. All right. Well, um, speaking of jerks, uh, let's talk about our locks. Uh, <laughs> we're all jerks. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'll tell you, between pods, Rooster pulled off the rare losing twice in one week, um, choosing the Cardinals against the Rams and the Dolphins <laughs> against the Jets. And he has moved. Oh, wait into, a minute. The Dolphins covered. No. You, the Dolphins were minus eight and a half. They won by seven. I think they were minus three and a half. No. No. no sir. Not against the Jets. No, no, sir. Yeah, I'm sorry. It would have made a lot of difference if you went to three and 12 instead of two and 13, but you're two and 13. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, fuck. But, Almost as bad uh, as the Lions. Hope yeah. is still alive and can get to six and nine with an Eagles victory by more than five points tomorrow night. Bison took a loss to drop to six and nine, uh, taking the big spread with the cards minus 13 house got a win on Carson's back Colts minus two house moves to five and 10 milk chose a new strategy to bet against the Jags. It brought him a win and he's now at seven and eight. Ooh. He's got a chance. Ooh. We have a Ooh. chance to have a winner here. So We've got seven and eight. We've got a six and nine. Pope can get to six and nine. It could be an exciting finish. Let's get started for this week. Uh, Milk is sticking with his strategy of betting against the Jags. He's got the Jets minus two to get to even seven and to get to eight and eight. Who's up next, Pope? I got the uh, I got the Pats at home in the uh, winner take all game, basically for the for the division. That's a Belichick special. And they're only giving two and a half against the Bills. I like. I like the Pats. Okay. Bison? We want Dallas. We want wow. Dallas. I'll Bring take it. the football team getting oh, 10 and a half. Getting wow. 10 and a half. Okay. Got plus 10 and a half. Um, Rooster, I'm going to save last for last. I've got... Uh, I, I was kind of impressed with that defensive effort. I think the Saints might have a sniff at a wild card. I think the Dolphins have been playing joke teams. I love the Saints minus three versus the Dolphins at a very loud Superdome, assuming people are allowed inside of it. So I like the Saints minus three against the Dolphins. Rooster, get some redemption. What do you got? I'm going to go. I'm going to. I have nothing to lose. So I'm going to go out on a limb. And take Jake Fromm plus ten against the Eagles. Okay. <laughs> Otherwise known as the go. opposite strategy. Well, those teams always play close. It's probably a good smart bet. Okay, that's I think it. You're better off Locks. taking the caps. You should just yeah. take the caps. I know. It might be better for you. 
Well, of course, we're, we're making these picks for these locks, and um, we really don't have any idea who's going to be playing, when the games will be played, who they'll be played against, or anything about it because of of COVID. And so uh, we, we want to take a little bit of time and talk uh, about how COVID has suddenly reared its ugly head again in sports and, and upset. Um, I mean, is the NBA even going to finish the season? Uh, wh- what's going on here? Guys, what do you what do you think? I I feel like honestly, I, I feel like we're in some kind of like dystopian movie or show right now where human life really doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is feed the fans, feed the wallets. I, I don't understand why very smart business executives very smart television executives can't figure out we're going to pause every last sport for 30 or 45 days. We'll resume it. If that means we finish football in March, we finish football in March. If we finish basketball in August, we finish basketball in August. It seems like an easy solution here, but torpedoes be damned. And like, here we go. We've got 70 players in NBA COVID protocols. We've got 30 games, excuse me, 39 games already postponed in the NHL, 10 games postponed already in the Premier League. We've got Rafael Nadal, who's positive and doubtful for the Australian Open. We've got the Winter Olympics two months away. We've got the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, California, which might have a very different take at letting fans in stadiums in Tampa, Florida, just right. two months away. What are we doing? We're letting jerks like Kyrie come back and play basketball because the Nets are short players. We're letting jerks like Antonio Brown come back and play football when he lied uh, and bought a card. Why? Because they're going to be short players. There's no question they're going to reinstate AB tomorrow. Winning at all costs. What are we doing? Well, the question was whether the NBA was going to go forward. And, you know, if you recall, they were the first major sports league to to get hit by this and had to cancel which is when everyone realized wow this is a real deal here the nba is canceling their season um i think they're going to get hit hard harder than others because of the nature of the game there's these guys are playing in an enclosed hot court with fans right on top of them at court side they can't get away from it they're the nba i think will be decimated by this soon. And I agree. I think it's time to time. If, if you're not going to close it down, at least kick the fans out and go back to televising games with piped in fan noise and no, no people in, in attendance. So I'm going to have a, a, maybe an unpopular view on this or not. I don't even know if it's a view more of just a, a discussion that I, I want to have on it. Um, it, it appears at this point that this new variant, while super contagious, is um, much less lethal and and um, people just don't get as sick from it. Um, and what 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 does it mean to you all if, in fact, you know, the way the data plays out and it seems to be playing out this way that if you're vaccinated, by the way, and and. When we say that, when I say vaccinated, I mean triple vax, boosted too. I, uh, I thought very smart. The governor of Colorado was on 
meet the press, not to make this a political podcast, but he said, I wish people would stop talking about boosters. We know at this point it's a three shot treatment. That's what it is. Uh, so if you're fully vaxxed, all three shots, it seems that the Omicron variant doesn't make you very sick. Um, if that's the case, does that affect your view compared to where we were a year or two ago when when this thing started and, you know, you really didn't know what was going to happen to your health if you got it? It, it was it, is it is it unfair to say that it was a much more severe disease two years ago than than what we're initially seeing right now with, with this variant? I just want to be clear that you're saying treat it differently on the field, but not necessarily in the stands, right? Because there's a fan component to this too. Because, you know, if you have a 60,000 person stadium and the U.S. is at 60% vaccination, that means 40% of those fans on average are unvaccinated. That's putting 20,000 people at risk yeah. of, of serious disease. So I just want to make sure yeah. the field versus the stands. It, it, it's a fair distinction. I am talking about, about playing the games. Uh, I, but having said that, Toby, I will tell you that, that I'm starting to get to the point where I feel like, you know, if you're not vaccinated, go fuck yourself. Because that's why we're in this situation <laughs> right. a little bit. So if right. you're not vaccinated, you want to go to a game and you get sick and, and, and you get pretty sick. I mean, look, I, I don't wish Ill, Ill will or bad health on anybody. And, and it, I appreciate that if the more people end up in the hospital, the harder it is on our healthcare system in general. So I'm not being a fool about that. But there is part of me that really says, you know, I'm tired of making decisions for the 40 percent of the country that's not vaccinated. Uh, they, they can really go fuck themselves at this point. Well, why don't we but, require but, them but to prove that more, they've been vaccinated in order to get into the games? Well, that's my question. My point was more about there playing been the games, those. though. The Mavericks, at least initially, they required you to have vaccination proof in order to go to the games. I don't know yeah. if they changed their policy now, but maybe not. You don't have to be boosted, uh, which seems to be you know the difference between potentially being more susceptible to getting it and not. Here's my thought about your um, discussion, Bison. Um, you know, first of all, the the um, Delta variant is still with us. It's not it's not like it's two years behind us. It's still out there. And everything we know about the Omicron variant is, what, three weeks old at the most? You know, four weeks? Um, what do we really know about it? I mean, I keep hearing just like you do that it's people say that it, that that it's um, much more. Uh, you, you're much more likely to catch it, but much less likely to have any adverse effects. But how do we really know that? Is there well, there, there's some pretty other good than data. anecdotal evidence right now. There's some uh, good data there's in South data. Africa, and, and how do South we not? Africa, the deaths are like way down, and and contagion, you know, having the disease is way up. Right, but how do we know? Also, how I'm not, I have absolutely no confidence that a week or two from now there's going to be another variant that we haven't heard of yet. And so uh, I'm not that comfortable just saying, you know, let's just go back to living our lives and let the 40% of the unvaccinated jackasses out there put me or anyone I know at risk. 
and not just at risk from COVID, but like, you know, if I have a medical emergency and I can't get into a hospital because it's flooded with people with COVID, that's a problem for me, you know, and that sh- shouldn't be the case. So, um, yeah, but that's, but you're going back to talking about fans in the stands where we, we were trying to, I mean, I, I'm more, the reason I raised it more so was with playing the games. I think we, I don't have look, a problem. I think we play the games out. Yeah, no, I think we keep the fans out or make them prove that they've been, uh, they've had every available vaccine. But um, I, I think that if I, first of all, I think that AB and um, Aaron Rodgers and people who have cheated on this or refused to get vaccinated uh, shouldn't be allowed to play, especially in cities that actually have rules against it. I don't get what the Nets are doing. I do get what they're doing, but it's wrong. Um, but look, if I was a coach right now in the end, in the, particularly in the NFL, and we're getting close to playoffs, um, you know, I'd take the whole team and say, look, you guys, you guys serious about winning. You want to leg up on everybody else. We're going to quarantine as a team. Everybody in here to a man is going to get vaccinated. And, and, you know, you could pressure them into doing that, especially with the, if the captains were on board and we are not going to have that problem and they could they could pretty much do away with it on the team and that would give them a gigantic advantage going into the play no it wouldn't no it wouldn't rooster because you know yeah. what because because the nfl's because bu- the nfl's bullshit because the eagles did exactly that they got everybody vaccinated these these players want to win apparently nick sirianni is a good leader in that way and they've got captains experienced captains who are good leaders they did everything right and they were ready to play yesterday with the relatively healthy team they probably would have been down maybe a wide receiver but that was about it the team that they were facing who's who's owned by a douchebag <laughs> who's i mean we don't need to recount True. what kinds of True. rewards he's not entitled to had one of their best players montez sweat who we covered earlier on in a podcast decide i'm not getting vaccinated and of course he enters the covid protocols. It's no surprise that other members on that D-line also get injured. I mean, not injured, go into the COVID protocols. They get COVID. Two of their quarterbacks, three of their quarterbacks get COVID. And lo and behold, the next thing you know, the NFL says, that's okay. The team that did everything that Rooster said, you guys can't play on Sunday. The team that wasn't following what they should do, you get the reward of coming back and playing on Tuesday. And oh, by the way, we're changing the rules. As long as you have one negative test, you're good to go. You can come back and play. And so now they have their players playing on Tuesday and they get the advantage of breaking rules. Yeah, that's just asinine. And the reason they can't. I I sort of agree with you. The only thing I don't, I'm not sure about is, and, and I just don't know is of the guys who were in the COVID protocol for Washington were they all unvaxxed guys or was it like one guy? I mean, I, I don't know where Washington, I know when, when it's the season started, Washington was dismal in its vaccination rate. They, they did really, really terribly to start off, but I don't know where they ended up. And, and I just don't know that the answer to that. But I just think that uh, to go back to the original question, you know, should we just let them play based on what we know so far out of South Africa, based on this potentially being a milder disease for those who are triple vaxxed. I think it's, I think it's a question of public health, which I don't have a, as 
great of an expertise or I have no expertise. I, I think from a public health standpoint, when you let players get on the field, whether it's 5%, 3%, 7%, you're sending a message to a wider society that it's okay. It's okay to just go on business as usual. And while it's true, I think Rooster makes a great point. The people who want to get into the hospital for non-COVID reasons are going to have a tougher time. And the addition, in addition, Omicron is so ubiquitous that even if smaller numbers of people are going to the hospital, smaller numbers times much more infected is really, really going to be dangerous for our health system. And I, I think it has to start with leadership. I think it has to start with owners, with captains. And I, listen, I would say, I think we should pause all these leagues for six weeks and then get back at it. That would be my answer. Either that or just take a stand against players who refuse to get vaccinated and punish them and the team. But they're not going to do that because that would require them to um, come down on Aaron Rodgers. And they're not, yeah. do, they're not going to do that, especially when he's potentially headed to the Super Bowl. I, I just don't think it's easy as it's unvaccinated versus vaccinated in the NFL, especially. I looked it up. Bison, Jonathan Allen, fully vaccinated. So, I mean, right. you've got fully vaccinated players now. Look at Sean Payton. He had COVID, he got vaccinated, and he got it again. Uh, it, it's just, it's the numbers game. And it's and I think a week from now, two weeks from now, we could be looking at a completely different ball game where there is no, there's no other option other than to pause all sports leagues. Two, two parting thoughts on this. One, the crazy irony that in two months, the Winter Olympics are going to be played in Beijing. And yeah. we all know about China and COVID and all of that. That's crazy. It'll be interesting to see how many countries end up really being able or choosing to show up. And the second thing is, you remember when COVID started, there was a lot of controversy about how the players were able to get their hands on tests before the public was able to. In a few weeks, I think we're going to hear that Paxlovid, the treatment pill, the five-day treatment pill from Pfizer is going to be available, which really, really, the data is very, very promising in treating COVID. My prediction is you're going to hear athletes and privileged get their hand on Paxlovid first, and you're going to have a new controversy in sports. The players are going to be able to get back Ooh. on the field because they were able to score that drug, which, by the I'll way, they're only making 180,000 pills so far. I will disagree with you on that one. Privileged, yes, but athletes, uh, no, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Because the Watch athletes the aren't going to be the ones end, ending up in the hospital, in the emergency rooms with a choice of going on a ventilator or not. So that's that's why I don't think they'll be getting it. But, well, you, but good, don't point. You take it good point. Prophylactically, don't you take it once you get your pos positive? But way positive. Well before, yeah. So you don't know whether. Yeah, you, but it's going to it's going to be reserved for the vulnerable populations. Let's hope. Never is. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. All right. All right, let's uh, let's talk about a uh, a famous NFLer, but for a different reason. Rooster, uh, talk to us about prime time. I'll tell you prime what, ne time. Neon Dion used to be my least favorite football player. I really did not like that guy, and rooted every year for some big offensive lineman to get a clean hit on him, and it never <laughs> happened. But I have to say, I love him now as coach of. Uh, Jackson State University. I mean, that guy has done more for historically black colleges and universities um, 
in in two years than anyone I can think of. I mean, not since the days of Walter Payton and Jerry Rice and and uh, who was your, who was the quarterback who won the Super Bowl for the Deadskins? Doug, Doug Williams. Williams. Doug, Doug Williams. Williams. Did 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 historically black colleges and universities have such big signings and big name players? And that was probably last in the seventies, maybe. Um, so it was announced the other day that after really two years of in, it really stellar recruiting, let's not forget that Dion's son was a power five candidate and chose to play for his dad. And as a result, there were many other big signings um, a couple of years ago and last year, uh, I think maybe, um, you know, more than a handful for that team. But now it's, now it was just announced that um, Travis Hunter, who is a uh, high school student at Collins High School in Suwannee, Georgia, ranked by Rivals.com, where uh, my son interned while he was in college at Colorado, um, as the number one prospect in football, turned down Georgia and Florida State to go play for Neon at Jackson State University. That is a big, big deal. And getting all kinds of pub. I mean, that, I just think it's great. It's great for for Jackson State. It's great for the league. Um, I hope more follow. Uh, this was this was sort of a big story a couple of years ago when American University landed one of the top center prospects in the country, and then it Howard. died down. Howard University. Howard. Howard. Yeah, Howard. Howard. University. Howard. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that kid got hurt. But um, yeah, I, this is really awesome. It's a big deal for um, HBCUs, and and hats off to to primetime. I think he's really he's really defied a lot of predictions and, 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 uh, resurrected, resurrected his reputation. He's a serious coach and he deserves the accolades he's getting. Rooster. I don't know if you, this is a great one. I don't know if you saw the, uh, the catch that that young man made in the Georgia high school playoffs. He high points the ball and goes up to uh, grab a touchdown, which was an unbelievably athletic play. And you see that play, and then you realize he's not going to one of the Power Fives, and instead is going to an HBCU. It's it's incredible, really. It is, is incredible. And Dion gave this great uh, quote at a at a conference uh, press conference where he was talking about some of the HBCUs don't have the the names on the back of the uniforms, and he was saying like, you understand when these kids are looking to go to college, like. They just want to see their name on the back, their parents, their family. Right. They just right. want to see the like he keeps it so simple to, like you said, like bring these universities on par with mm-hmm. with the best schools. And plus the NILs and the fact that these kids can now make money, uh, even going to schools that are not power five is going to change things. Should be exciting. He, he, I mean, he's the, the, he's a great recruiter and people seem to genuinely love him when they, when he comes and recruits in their homes. Um, he played minor league baseball in here in Richmond. And I can remember be, being at a Richmond Braves game sitting um, near him when he was out hurt and I guess wasn't playing for the rest of the season. And he was having this conversation that just made me think that he was a complete jerk. You know, he kept referring to this 
woman as his female, just a, you know, just a total misogynistic jerk. And I think, you know, people evolve and he clearly has. And I think he, I think he's come a long way and, and, and is doing wonderful things for these kids. And they had a good record this year too. Yeah. 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 So what's the end game for, for this guy though? I mean, you think he's going to stay with them for three years before he goes to the NFL or uh, is he, is he going to potentially Pope's head is about to explode. He's like, I didn't even know there was football outside of Alabama and the sec. He's like, <laughs> what, what are you even talking about? What are you, someone good is going to go outside the sec. His head's exploding right here. No, it'll be what, interesting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the question. And, you know, we say it's part of the Jerry. Remember Jerry Bembry was on saying part of the problem with the NFL is ownership is so old. Um, that's change is slow. Well, part of the good part of that is ownership and leadership in the NFL is so old that they remember recruiting from these teams and getting players like Jerry Rice. It wasn't that long ago for them. So hopefully it'll happen again. Good story. Good story. Thanks for, uh, thanks for covering it. And um, listen from your guy, prime time who you wanted to see, take a lick. Let's talk about a punchable face of the week. Come on, man. And with the local DBC news, Evan Kujay with a triumphant comeback. But tonight, don't call it a comeback. House, you got one? Yeah, I, I have one. I think it's pretty obvious, but, you know, uh, I've said before on this podcast, every, our listeners know that I, I, I'm the father of th- three kids. And I say a lot of times my kids raised me because when they were young, I learned that if I make a punishment that I cannot enforce, they're going to run roughshod over me. If, if I say to my kids, if you do that again, you're not watching television for three months and then they do it again, and I let them watch TV a week or two later. They they just know they can get away with whatever they want. And you, if you do that and you lose control, forget it. Roger Goodell has lost control of the kindergarten. He told these players, he told these teams There will be zero tolerance for teams that don't stay healthy. If you don't stay healthy, if you're not vaccinated, if you can't field a team, if you can't show up on a Sunday, there will be no postponements. There will be no rescheduling. There will be none of that stuff. You will forfeit the game. That was, of course, until the kids said, that's not fair, dad. That's not fair. We're, we're, you know, uh, that jerk Baker Mayfield started whining on Twitter about it. And the protocols changing. This is so unfair. We're so sick. And can you imagine? I mean, I just want to have the audio of Dan Snyder, that asshole, picking up the phone and calling Roger Goodell and saying, you got to do me a solid, Raj. I got about 21 guys that are sick. And after all, this is you know, this is the nation's capital. You want to have a good Washington football team. We're doing all the right things. Look, my wife is even in charge. You got it. No problem, Dan. We'll just put that game on Tuesday. 
I mean, what the fuck is going on here? And oh, by the way, we're gonna just gonna change the rules in the middle of the week. You're sick. Don't worry about it. You just need one negative test and you can show up. You can breathe all over the people on the other side of the field. You just need one negative test. You can show up. And by the way, we're not going to test you as long as you're vaccinated and you're not asymptomatic. And we all know that players will self-police and say when they're symptomatic, right? Because players always say when they're hurt. This is a joke. This is once again, the NFL, an absolute joke the way Goodell is running the show particularly as it relates to this COVID thing, what happened this week, COVID is not going away by tomorrow night. So what happens, for example, and yes, I have a personal bone to pick because my Eagles now have to face a healthy Washington team who didn't feel like following what they were supposed to do tomorrow night. And after they're done getting their ass beat against a terrific defensive team on Tuesday night, they're going to turn around and play four days later on Sunday against the Giants and another interdivisional game. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And it's all because Roger Goodell didn't keep the enforcement of the punishment and doesn't run his league. And for that, I cannot wait to see that guy and punch him in the face. Boom. Boom. You know what house I was I, thinking when you were telling that story, I was thinking of a, when my son, my eldest son was little, but prior to kindergarten, I said to him once, I, you know, you, I told you not to do that. You did it anyway. Now you have to sit in a timeout chair for 20 minutes. And so I felt like crap during that whole 20 minutes. And finally, 20 minutes is up. And I looked over at him and I said, okay, your time's up. You can get out of the chair. And he looked at me and crossed his arm and said, I don't feel like getting out of the chair yet. I'm going to stay here a little longer. <laughs> so, so I'm in that story. I'm Roger Goodell and my son is the NFL owners and the NFL players association, giving them the great big bird. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm always in favor of giving Roger Goodell a punch in the face, but can anybody imagine the thermonuclear meltdown that house is going to have Wednesday after the Washington football team somehow wins this game? I mean, and I, half of his I, I team is, is COVID positive. Because of it. We can't play the next week because of it. Oh, Oh, no. It deprive him of the hope that he has now for the playoffs. I'll do a live Uh, recording so we can so we can listen to it next week. Yes. Please, please. please, Someone please have a feel good story because I'm not feeling very good right now. Uh What do you got? Come on, Pope. You've always got something positive. Give us a lasso. Well, you guys can see from my virtual background and my texting yesterday in the afternoon, I was taken by uh, by Tiger and his son, uh, Charlie, who's 12 this week uh, in the annual father-son uh, tournament, which is actually turning into be uh, one of the more interesting things in the PGA Tour these days. They, you know, you have a, a PGA Tour uh, champion, you have the PGA Tour, and you, obviously you got the kids, uh, and they make for some good, uh, good pairings. Um, Justin Thomas and his, uh, dad won last year. Uh, this year, the winner actually was not Charlie and tiger. It was John Daly, 55 year old JD bat blast from the past and his son, JD two, who is a freshman at Arkansas. Uh, but they had to hold off tiger and his son. And if you think back February 23rd of this year, uh, when tiger, 
had a horrific car accident uh, as they were, he was speeding down a Canyon road in LA on a way to a photo shoot. And most people, when they even saw the car, they, they, they heard about how fast he was going. Uh, they assumed his career was over. He may maybe never even be able to hit another golf ball, maybe even possibly lose his leg. Uh, his right leg was mangled. Um, but you never count Tiger out. He's, you know, the, obviously the heart of a champion. And after three months in bed, uh, he started, started working out again, started, uh, rehabilitating, uh, a couple weeks ago, we saw the little snippet of him, uh, taking a, uh, a, a shot from the fairway, uh, I guess, wherever he practices and everybody's like, Oh, wow. He's a lot further than we thought he would be. And, what a better what better place for him to come out uh, than this tournament with his twelve year old protege son? And it's fun to watch these guys walk down the fairway. They twirl their club the same way. Uh, I've got the the picture of them, you know, dressed in tiger red and the black pants. Um, his son is certainly a chip off the old block, and just to have uh, eleven birdies in a row and almost win that tournament was was fun to watch charlie woods arguably it's going to be really interesting guys watching him grow because he arguably is like one of the top golfers people are interested in hearing about and watching now and he's 12 um so he's got some big shoes to fill but thank god tiger was able to get back out there now he he said in a press conference he'd never be able to play the regular P- PGA Tour again. He's going to pick and choose. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Augusta next year, uh, but you know we'll never see him on a regular basis. And it was just, uh, it would to me it was a feel good to see those guys walking the fairway, Tiger and his son. So they are my Ted Lasso of the week. You know, Pope, that's a good one. I, I realized as you were saying that that one of the nicest parts about the story is that. The comeback of Tiger for whenever he was going to next play golf was going to consume so much of the sports news. And what's really cool about the story is that Tiger shared his comeback with his kid and the play of his kid almost outsized the story of Tiger playing again. There wasn't that much talk about, oh, my God, look, Tiger Woods can actually swing a golf club. It's like, look at this kid. And that's a cool part of the story. By the way, the Raiders are up seven to nothing over the Browns in the second quarter. Just, well, who, are, who are they playing? Nick Mullins, the quarterback. Charlie, Charlie Woods. Charlie Woods is playing quarterback for the Browns, isn't he? I don't know. Don't uh, interrupt a feel-good story, Rooster, with crappy game like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All right, I mean, guys. Anything, anybody got anything else? I just need Nick Chubb to get the ball. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck Anyone on your fantasy else? matchups. Is it? Would it be wrong for me to root for Kirk Cousins to get be tested positive for COVID? Not at all. Now and Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Kirk Cousins is going to be the only player that doesn't that doesn't test positive. Right? Yeah, right, right, right. Somehow he's going to be the only one who doesn't. Uh. All right, guys, have a good week. Uh, football. Uh, it's like a football week, and. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Merry holidays, everyone. everyone. Yes, yes. And your this SMQBs our to Christmas. our millions of listeners. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Yeah. We'll be no back milk will be week, back folks. soon. No winter break for the SMQBs, fellas. Yep. All right, everyone. Have a good one.
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison-Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.